1: What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 106 of the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am now here in Red River Gorge, a.k.a. the Amazonian jungle. It's a little bit ridiculous here. And maybe living in Landers made me soft because conditions are so damn good there most of the time maybe that's the case but i do know for a fact that the humidity that's happening here right now number 1 sucks for rock climbing number 2 makes me really really grumpy not stoked on it but we're going to we're going to try to stick it out we're going to be here hopefully till thanksgiving if the weather cooperates um i did build a little rebuild a little truck camper old truck camper to bring with us make the trip a little nicer. But these conditions are probably the absolute worst conditions for a truck camper, especially a pop-up truck camper. So this is sort of trial by fire or trial by rain and humidity, as the case may be. Um, It's been super busy. I've been behind. No excuses. It's just the facts core strength for climbers did come out. Movement skills for climbers is now out. So if you haven't picked up those two ebooks, you should go to slash ebook and do that. Check those out. Um, I'm going to get right into this this interview today because I think it's a really really important one. And it's with boulder based strength trainer Jocelyn Corrador. and I first encountered Joss A couple of years ago, I guess, um, I sent a client of mine uh, to get a functional movement screen and some advice on strength training from Joss, and she was there, and I really value that in-person feedback, especially from someone as experienced and who had great recommendations like Jocelyn did. Um, But I didn't really know her very well until—I didn't know her at all, actually, until this— interview happened at OR uh, this past summer in Denver. And I went into this not really knowing what to expect because it's a topic that could go a lot of different ways. And and I didn't really know what to expect. And I think I'm just going to let you guys listen. But the one word that really stands out in my head after after listening back to this conversation and that, that I walked away from this conversation with that day was courage.
0: Maybe I go, why are
2: you sorry? And she's like, um... You have BRCA one. Excuse me. What What does that mean? And she's like, um, you have a genetic mutation. You're at higher risk for cancer
0: now.
1: First off, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, actually,
2: it's Corredor.
1: Corredor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I figured there were rolled R's or something yeah, in yeah. there somewhere. But, I mean,
2: everyone's like, oh, a corridor, like a hallway. And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's not actually, so it actually means runner in Spanish. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always that. dreamed that it'd be cool to be like, cause I ran in college and right since I was little, um, I thought it'd be cool. Like if I had, cause you have your name tags mm-hmm. and it's always your last name. I yep. was like, oh, that'd be so cool if I was running in and it said Corredor and like I was running and, <laughs> and you know, it'd say runner. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And then finishing you.
2: Finishing first. Just kidding.
1: And then you found climbing, and everybody's saying, don't run to be better at climbing. Oh, yeah. So. No.
2: I mean, I still run, but. Yeah. Yeah. Of course.
1: You kind of have to now.
2: Well, I tell people, I'm like, it's different for me because I've done it since I was little. Right. You know, like, I'm like, if you weren't ever a runner before, that's yeah. like.
1: Yeah, and I'm some like, people just need it they love it it's their yeah. it's their alone time their yep. recharge the time you know so they should mm-hmm. totally do it
2: yeah it's funny when I first started uh, climbing I had to still run because I was like climbing is not a workout <laughs> right like I'd still go like do intervals or yep. whatever yep. and then I actually got a knee issue and so I just only started to climb mm-hmm. and that's fine now but yeah when yeah. I first started I was like what climbing is not a workout yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah. how talk to me about how, like, becoming a, a strength trainer started? Why, why on earth would yeah. you want to become a strength yeah. trainer? Well,
2: yeah, skinny runner woman. Um, so, I I don't really actually tell this story that often, but um, I think it's good for people to know. Um, I actually had to go on a time trial. Um, when I was in college, so I didn't actually run all four years. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I think there was fifteen, twenty girls on the team that had to do a time trial, and I. And I
1: was this was like, to stay on the team. To stay on the team. Okay.
2: Yeah. And he didn't actually. I do really poorly with if people aren't just, and he didn't actually um, have everyone try out
1: right right so
2: you know i was like well fine if everyone has to try out but um moral of that story try it out i i trained i literally have never been in better shape (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i trained myself and i went into um being an athlete you get your own facility um i ran at oregon state and um that's a big running school yeah yeah and um so I'd go in, I'd talk to the strength coaches, you know, I was very interested in how, you know, I would get better, you know, right, it's like, I need right. to make this team or stay on the team. Yeah. And so I worked my ass off and, um, all, I lived in a house with seven girls. None they, of the other girls had to try out really. Oh, they were so, all runners and didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they, they they were all confused too. Cause they were like, what you run? Like around the same pace as us, but they were like, but thank God we don't have to do it. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? totally. And uh, I think it was also because I was struggling in school, like, you know, and people ask, you know, should I do sports in college? And I'm like, if you're really good at school, do it. Yeah. I was asked to change my major multiple times, and right. I was like, well, I'm really doing, I know I'm not gonna go pro, so mm-hmm. I'm only doing this for like the community, really. Um So I trained to be on the team and through that learned to do it on my own. And then I ended up, um, yeah, doing it on my own. Basically I was like, wait, I'm the fastest I've ever been. And I did it all on my own. Right? You know, and I didn't, you know, I had some teammates train with me sometimes, but I think, uh, and I ended up missing it. Um, I was the first one in when we did the time trial, um, And I trained all summer, and then I wanted to go home, which home is California, Mm -hmm. and I had been away for a while. And uh, yeah, I asked my coach, you know, we have a meeting before the time trial, and he's like, "Just, I think you're gonna be the only one that makes the team. And I was like, what, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, you know, I haven't seen anyone work as hard as you've been training all summer. Like, you're gonna easy breeze, make it, you know? And I was like, okay. Well, my reward is going home. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Whoa, I don't think you should go home. Like, you've worked so hard. You may get sick." And I was like, "What? Well, I'm not going to get sick going home." Of course, I get. sick. Of <laughs> I course. <get> sick. Yeah. <laughs> I got really sick, and uh, and I even was like, "Oh shoot! Like, I don't know, you know." But I've been working so hard. I'll make it. It'll be fine. I miss it by like ten seconds. Oh no. Yeah. Which. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, and I knew because they're yelling times as you're going around. Yep. And um, he's like, okay, you know, he kneels, all the girls are already bawling. Yeah. And he's like, okay, hey, you guys are all cut. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> So I ended up then having an identity, you know, shift and I, I would assume any athlete, you know, yeah, absolutely. Even when they're injured, you know, they don't, they're like, what am I doing? I've done this my whole life. I can't do this. Um, but being told you're not allowed to be even be on the team, you know, pretty much, you know, getting kicked off. I was like, Whoa, what do I do now? So I ended up becoming a trainer at the gym, um, on campus and, Still trying to train myself and but also learning to train other people. Um,
1: at first was there like a hope that you would Oh for try sure try out for the oh team my God. again?
2: Yeah. I deep down, for sure. That yeah. was like I'm like I'm gonna become a trainer so I can you know, even better. And then get back on the team and then I'll show him. Did you ever
1: try out again or did you just go deeper and deeper into training?
2: I got deeper and deeper. I became obsessed with training. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing and finding out how Mm. the body functions and I mean, helping other people achieve their goals. You know, I was like, Oh my gosh, wait, this is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and um, I had an awesome mentor um, that he was an athletic trainer um, and he was like, Always on my side for everything. And he was like, You know what, Jess? You be the coach that you needed,
0: you know, mm, when you cool. were,
2: you know. And I was like, Okay, yeah. And he's like, You don't need to, you're still an athlete, you know. And right. I was like, Okay, yeah. Um, mm. Well, and that's
1: one of the really interesting things for me about climbing. Yeah. Is that. Most other sports, uh, especially organized sports, mm-hmm. once you become an adult and you're out of school, there aren't like people don't just go hang out and play softball for sure at a yeah. really high level, mm-hmm. you know, so climbing allows you to do that like you're yeah. you're out there instead of just meeting just for fun there are a lot of people out there really pushing themselves oh, yeah and trying so hard to improve
2: i think and there's so many people that are athletes within climbing that they yeah. didn't even know you know right. they like find it in themselves right. yeah and i think that's why people become obsessed with training themselves too or finding other trainers to get them to their area they want to be in you know yeah. um yeah. So this mentor, he ended up I mean, I was like, well, I want to, I really liked those strength coaches. And he was like, well, Joss, if you want to be a strength coach, you got to lift, <laughs> you know, right. like you got to seriously lift. None of the little like light dumbbell stuff. He's like, you got to actually lift. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, um, so if I go backwards three years, um, I actually dislocated my shoulder surfing mm-hmm. from an impact injury. Um, and I didn't really do anything about it because I had no idea. Right. I didn't really know what that meant. Like I totally, like it was out. I couldn't swim. I had to be like rescued in <laughs> from yep. a lifeguard.
1: And like so and many athletes, you're like, I'll be fine.
2: Yeah. Oh, I it'll, mean, it'll I only at the time, you know, I was still running. Yep. And so I was like, well, pff, I don't need my arms. Mm -hmm. Like they're just going to be by my sides. So I did some PT um, and I had actually still gotten an MRI and the orthopedic handed me his card and was like, "Um, talk to me when you want to come back for surgery because you have a torn labrum. And I was like, what? No, I can just do PT. And I, I, what I really hated was that he was like so confident in that I needed this. And I, I just was so stubborn that I was like, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm going to do PT. And I went through PT, was fine, but I actually dislocated my arm every single time I went home to surf, <laughs> like every every single time. So um, and I didn't learn better. Uh, you were just it. born to be an athlete. That's <laughs> what it is. Like or stubborn. I don't know. That's, I think yeah, most sto- they're athletes pretty much are the stubborn. same. It's true. Yeah um and well i see it in all climbers you know they tear their labrum they tear a rotator cuff and then they're like what well i can just still climb it's fine yeah until it's not fine until it's not fine (laughs) exactly and um i get actually a lot of clients that have shoulder issues because i'm like oh i know shoulders (laughs) because i did so much pt and even ended up getting shoulder surgery right and did more pt um and you know i think a lot of people are Either prone to injury or, you know, they're genetically gifted and are not. Right. So, because there are a lot of climbers that they're like, well, I've never had a shoulder injury. And I'm like, yeah, that's just because you're lucky.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> so,
2: you got good genetics. <laughs> you
1: haven't had a shoulder injury yet.
2: Well, I think some mm. people never will, you know, like they just won't. And, some people just, they can do everything, and they're still going to get injured.
1: Yeah, and so many people have torn labrums that oh, yeah. don't even know.
2: Totally, yeah. You know? I actually have one on my other shoulder now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I literally have done everything, and yet, you know, I still have one. But I'm Does like, that
1: one give you trouble?
2: Um, I've had instances where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that one time that it. I was in the back of my head hoping that... It wasn't a subluxation, but I—it right. definitely was. Right. <laughs> but it was like in denial. I was like, "Oh yeah, that—that that happened." I would, because I know how to check myself for all of sure. You know all the things that an orthopedic would do. Mm-hmm. So I always do it to see if I have range of motion. hmm And I always did. So I was like, "Oh, I'm fine."
1: <laughs> yeah, we've we've learned to compensate so much. Oh yeah. Um, as climbers, as athletes in general. Yeah. You know, when I when I had my shoulder surgery, when I first went into the doctor, just the general doc, she said it's just tendonitis. There's mm-hmm. way too much strength there. It's not torn.
2: Oh yeah. And Every I'm like, time. I
1: need you to refer me to the orthopedic. And yeah. I went to see him, and he said, no, it's just tendonitis. Mm-hmm. It's too strong. Was it's it not rotator labrum? Rotator supraspinatus. Yep. Okay. Shredded bicep tendon. Yeah, that's
2: what happened on this yeah.
1: one. Yeah, <laughs> I demanded the MRI, and he said, yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Your shoulder is exploded in there. So yeah. we need to do surgery.
2: Well, see, that's the thing. I think a lot of climbers, you develop so much, you can't overcompensate with yeah. all of the other muscles. So they yep. did the same thing um, with both. And I passed for both. You yep. know, I think there needs to be, I don't even know what other tests you could do, but there needs to be some other test (laughs) specifically, I think overhead or climbers because you learn to use your shoulder and just so many different Mm -hmm. ranges of motion and you end up learning to work with it. And our bodies are great for that because we do adapt very quickly to everything. Um, But yeah, so passed (laughs) it. And he was like, you know, I I was like, you know what? I still kind of hurts to sleep on it. Can we just, in the orthopedic. Let's gave. take a look in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I go, and well, he did an x-ray and my humerus was um shoved up a little bit oh, into my clavicle yeah. and he's like, well, that doesn't look very normal. I was like, hey, Glowny, you know, I should probably get an MRI. And he's like, knowing you, only because he knows me right. so well, he's like, you're right, we should probably do an MRI. <clears> and sure enough, it was torn. And I was like, yeah. damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. So. so where did climbing come in i'm sure after strength training you were running yeah in strength training Mm -hmm. and then somewhere in there climbing came in which is probably the least um i don't even know how to say it it's it's the avenue that strength trainers historically Uh have probably been the least. Oh yeah, for um, sure. That's it. (laughs) Valued. Um, So it's
2: funny you say that because I did an internship at CU Boulder Mm -hmm. with all of their athletics and all of the strength coaches. And I was always in my notebook strength book. I was always transferring everything to climbing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, I actually would always try and convince the other strength coaches to come to the gym And they were like, you're so weird. (laughs) Yeah. No, why don't you just want to lift? Because I would lift and after the 12 to 15 hour internship, I would still go climb. Go to the climbing gym. Yeah, and that's actually why I realized I couldn't go to university and do that because I was like, I can't, when will I go climbing? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Because I became obsessed with it. Um, Climbing came into the picture actually right after running because I kind of had that like identity shift and I was like... Am I a runner? Can I? Am I a trainer? And um, Galen, my mm-hmm. boyfriend, he was like, Hey, why don't you try this out? So it was him that really cool. brought me into it. And he's like, You know what? You need to try something new. And um, I, again, like I said, I, I didn't really think it was a workout. So I would still kind of go run. Yep. Um, but as being an athlete, I think most athletes that go into climbing, they progress pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wait if I can progress this fast, what if I actually trained? Right. So pretty quickly, I ended up training immediately, which I think a lot of climbers, they'll climb for a few years before they train. Yep. Within probably the first three to four months, I was immediately training
1: for climbing. When was this? Do you know roughly a year?
2: Um, Let's see. So probably around 2014.
1: Okay. So were you like... Taking what you had learned from strength training and bringing it over into climbing? Were you looking for climbing resources? No. How I did actually, that look for you?
2: Yeah. No, I didn't actually look up. I wasn't like, how to train for climbing. I actually, right. the way I went about it was because I had already been a trainer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how we broke things down in training and how I had learned to do it from my mentor was more of you being a movement coach. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So when I climb and I reach for this, you pull. So I was like, how can I switch that to an exercise? So, or, you know, when you're, what is, how do I not get injured (laughs) immediately? Um, So I was like, okay, I need to do push-ups. I need to do pushing exercises. Um, Obviously trunk and core strength has a lot to do with climbing. So I was immediately trying to do that stuff. And um, I would actually just sit and watch people climb. And I was like, how? And I would, like, kind of take notes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the best ways to learn. Yeah, period. and I,
2: I would, like, transfer things to exercises. Um, and I would look up, actually, other sports, like overhead athletes yep. and swimming and just things that I could, like, and that was more, probably happened a lot more in the internship. But... um in the very beginning, some of the stuff started kind of blossoming. I was like, okay, how can I, you know, transfer a lot of these? But my biggest thing was not getting injured because I knew throughout running, right. I was like, what stops athletes is them getting injured. Yep. Um, and a lot of things I think uh, I did in the beginning was more rehab and PT stuff because I had already done a lot of shoulder PT. Sure. <laughs> so I was like, oh, everyone should be doing this. And when I would tell other people that, they're like, you're so weird, why would you do all, you don't need to train for climbing. That's Mm -hmm. what I heard a lot. They're like, "Yeah, you don't, and it was like Oregon State, so it was a small community of climbers, and they were like, "Trust, why are you doing this? You just need to climb more. And I'm like, no, but you guys are gonna get, you know, and I'd see all these people with tape all over their hands and tape on their elbows, and I was like, well, (laughs) why don't you do all these things so you don't need to have tape on everything. Yeah.
1: It's got this <laughs> you know, really terrible mix of being both an addiction and oh, yeah. really hard on your body.
2: Mm-hmm. But I saw know? that in them because I was like, okay, you know, I see all these other university athletes doing the same things to their body. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, I understand why they're doing it. But I was like, but why is there no trainers that do this? Why is there no coaches? Mm-hmm. And, you know, around 2014, there wasn't really,
1: No, there wasn't know, much out there. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, and there were no women. The only woman that I found was Ava Lopez. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, someday I would love to meet her. <laughs> and I ended up meeting her yeah. last year. Yep. And um, it was awesome. And she does a lot of research. Um, yeah. And she became kind of my, like, idol. <laughs> cool. Um, so that was... Uh, But yeah, I ended up looking at, I think, um, especially being in college, you end up looking a lot more research-based papers. Sure. Um, But I think a lot of it's, you know, and what I learned from her and school is trial and error.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And that's what largely it is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Luckily, there are a lot more coaches, a lot more researchers, a lot more people digging into it now. So the trial and error is... Getting done by a lot more people, yeah, and we're starting to figure some things out, yeah, which is nice, yeah. And there's Um, no
2: papers out there on climbing, really, you know, not a ton. The other day I looked. There are more
1: and more, yeah, yeah, not a ton,
2: yeah. And it's been cool. I mean, having access to the strength and conditioning, you know, journal, um, yeah. There's nothing, so I'm Mm. like, oh, you know, that'd be cool to someday do, maybe a paper on that, yeah, but um, later. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you've got a lot of things going on right now, yeah. so maybe it's not the thing to be diving into right yeah, away. Yeah, not right now. <laughs> um, when did you start working in a gym setting, like a climbing gym setting?
2: Um, so... Um, so I assume it was a
1: fairly new thing oh, yeah. when you did. it was
2: very intimidating, because um, I, I had trained people, but I mean, I didn't consider myself a climber. Right. Um, I was like, I'm a runner trying to learn things about climbing mm-hmm. and, um, but I'm still a trainer. So I had those like two identities still. Right. Um, but of course I had to actually do an internship um, to graduate and I really actually wanted to go to Colorado Springs and work at um, the Olympic Training Center. Right. And so I applied to there and my backup actually was a climbing gym. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, worst case, I'll learn a lot about that and and I needed to graduate and I'll just try a year later to get into either university to work under strength coaches or I'll go for the Olympic training center and um I didn't get in I mean I hadn't even graduated (laughs) technically so they're like who are you
1: (laughs) you're shooting high though I like that (laughs)
2: yeah yeah and then I um yeah I ended up working at a climbing gym and i felt like i knew nothing which I was mm-hmm. like well this is perfect it's i don't know anything but i they got me because they got me working for free <laughs> Right. And I was like, okay, you know, and I trained people, but, like, I I felt like I knew nothing, you mm-hmm. know. And here's all these, like, famous climbers in Boulder. I'm like, oh, my God, I really don't know anything. Yeah, you're in
1: kind of a tough market.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like little fish again. An but,
1: easily intimidating market.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, it was um, – and everyone climbed super hard, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll just – kind of just stay under the radar and like just learn from other
1: people. Right, right.
2: So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot, but um, a few years later, I ended up doing the internship at CU, mm-hmm. which then I was like, okay, yeah, I don't really want to work at a university because <laughs> the, all they do is they are, live and breathe the sports and right. then and they would watch football and they oh, that's all they'd talk about. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, did you guys see that climbing <laughs> and they're like no we don't even really know what climbing is i'm like but you're in boulder and they're like Nope. <laughs> we still don't know what you're talking about
1: <laughs> yeah when did so, you identify as a climber As you keep talking in probably, terms of identity so yeah yeah i would say um
2: over. it probably switched over about a few years ago yeah so it took a couple years yeah yeah and um as I got more into it, I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I like this, I'm a climber. And when I started training other people, I think that helped too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, maybe just like a few years ago.
1: So sometime after you identified as a climber, you, and I don't know the full story here, I'm kind of going in as blind as possible, just knowing Mm -hmm. the, the periphery of it. Sometime after identifying as a climber, you you had traveled to climb a little bit, I think. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so you were full on in the, in the life, you yeah. know, that so many um, people are interested in.
2: Totally, and I think that comes from just being lucky and put in the right place. Like, yeah. my boyfriend was super obsessed with it, um, and, you know... I think it was my first year of climbing and we went to like to Bishop right <laughs> and I don't even think I really climbed mm-hmm. <laughs> like I hopped on some, it was too hard for me you know like I I went there and I think I mainly watched and right. I tried like a couple zeros and ones and and I would go on runs <laughs> you know I was like this is so beautiful and I would go on trail runs yeah and um I remember I did, like, a super high ball, um, the stairway to heaven. Like, it's a one. And I almost started crying, (laughs) like, on it because I was so scared of heights. And honestly, I'm still scared of heights. Sure. Um, Lots of climbers are. Yeah, yeah. But it was just funny because, like, I I didn't even know, like, what an opportunity that was. You know, like, Mm -hmm. not everyone gets to do that. And I... I just got, like, taken on this trip. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, I think going to places is what made me, like, really like it. Because I was like, what? You get to, like, travel and go climbing and go to all these places. And I think that's when I really liked it. And then the training was just, like, I already had been obsessed with training. Sure. (laughs) That was just a plus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, well, sometime in there after kind of making that identity switch and mm -hmm. being, like, my name's Joss. I'm a climber. Yeah. You know? um, somewhere in there, you went to the doctor, got mm-hmm. a diagnosis. Talk to me about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. So I um, honestly, I all of this is just like so random. Um, I ended up going to... Um, Just being in Boulder, everything is very close. So, like, you can go to the doctor, you can go to the climbing gym, you can, Mm -hmm. you know, go on a run all in the same day. Right. Um, And I feel like that's awesome that you can have all of those in one spot. Um, So I was kind of just doing my normal routine. I probably, like, trained in the morning, (laughs) like, had an appointment. And this particular appointment, um, I went to the gynecologist, and she was just doing, like, a normal breast test and um, I don't know I just had the thought run into my head Um, my grandma actually died when she was 35 Mm. Um, and I was like hey should I do anything about that you know because she was doing the test and uh, she was like wait why have you never told me about this I was like I write this on all my paperwork all the time Right, Right. I was like, don't you guys check that? <laughs> and she goes, excuse me for a moment. She leaves, um, comes back, and she says, hey, Joss, do you, would you be willing to do a genetic test? And I go, um, how much does that cost?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Being
2: a cheap climber. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's the first question we all yeah, ask.
2: Right, and uh, she goes, well, I'm referring you, so it's going to be free. Insurance will cover it, yeah. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people don't, know that uh specifically women um that it can be covered if you get a referral yeah um and if even if you get a referral it may be like a hundred bucks like Mm -hmm. insurance should cover most of it um especially if you have a family history of um cancer at all and um so she comes back says i'm referring you it's free i was like um okay sure still I have no idea what that right. means <laughs> so um i get the referral i it's actually to rocky mountain cancer center and um still didn't really know what that meant i was like oh you know the word cancer is in it yeah which um, is
1: terrifying to
2: i still didn't really about. know yeah because yeah, i you know i was so removed from it my dad never talked about it um mm. Actually just f- the
1: word has such a connotation. <laughs> it definitely Just does. in our society. Totally, you
2: know? yeah. And uh, But I still, I was like, I cannot, like, I'm not associated with that. And so I was like, right, you know, and I think being an athlete, you can do that. You know, you can, like, yep. compart- compartmentalize and, like, be like, that's not me right now.
1: <laughs> so it still felt like just going through the motions yep. to do like, this thing. I'm
2: like, I'm just going to get this test. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Um, Walking into the center though. Um, that hit a little harder because um, you know, you have people that are really sick. Yeah. And walking in, I was like, whoa. Um okay, what does that really mean? You know, I'm still I just walk in, I kind of see everyone there, you know, there's people going through chemo. Um, and I I was like, Okay, that's still not me. I'm not even gonna think about it. And that's how I kinda like stayed a little stronger. Um And then I got, um, you know, I had to sit down with a genetic counselor and she's like, okay, so this is what um, this is gonna look out like. She kind of laid it out and ended up saying, so we can do a blood test, um, but it's gonna affect your life insurance. And I go, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. And um, she said, if you get tested, then you will have a higher life insurance. Like it'll cost more and I even like, if you're if just forgetting the test just forgetting the test just forgetting the test and i was like wait that doesn't make any sense i'm trying to be preventative yeah why would it go up and i would go well if i get cancer in five ten years won't my insurance go up anyways and she right. goes yes <laughs> so i go okay well so then why wouldn't I do this test? And I mean, and she goes, okay, a lot of patients don't think like this, Right. (laughs) but she's like, uh, yes, this is totally logical the way that you're going about it. But most people are just like, you know, I got, I need time. Mm -hmm. And it's a much longer process. Um, and I go, well, no, just do it now. Um, also because I am a lot, a lot of the things that I live by is preventative. Um, so kind of just transferred and um, I was like well no let's just do the test she's like are you sure and I go yeah it's just a blood test I'll deal with life insurance later right right um, so we do the blood test and then I go well what are my chances you know like what does this mean and she actually didn't think that I had that high because typically um, you have it from straight from your parents mm-hmm. and it was my dad's mom. Gotcha. So, um, and people say, okay, they think it's from your mom typically. Yeah. But, um,
1: so it seemed like a low likelihood. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She thought it was a low likelihood too. Um, and she goes, well, do you want to make an appointment to hear the results? We can come talk about it. And I'm like, I don't really (laughs) want to come back in here. You know, like I really, I was like, I don't know if I could like be this strong again. Yeah. You know, it was very easy to go in the first time. And, um, um, not know what it was going to be like but now knowing i was like oh man i don't know if i want to see all of this again you know kind of like out of sight (laughs) and um she's like okay yeah i'll just give you a call you know with the results um i'm sure it's going to be fine and i'm like okay um and I was actually at a different appointment uh, a few weeks later because it takes a little bit for the blood test. And right. I get a call and she's like, I am so, are you with anyone? I'm so sorry, Jocelyn. Wow, and that's like, a tough way to start a yeah. conversation. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? Why? What? <laughs> I go, why are you sorry? And she's like, um, you have uh, BRCA1. And I go, wait. Uh, excuse me what, what does that mean and she's like um you have a genetic mutation um you're at higher risk for cancer now and i was like not now you just always have been and right. i was like wait i don't understand i still don't understand <laughs> and i was like uh and she's like we're gonna make an appointment you're gonna come in we're gonna talk about all of this um on the phone i still didn't really know what it meant you know i was like okay so i just have this thing that i've always had you know right Still didn't really know what it meant. I'm fine so far. Yeah, I'm I'm fine so far. I don't feel any different. Kind of like when people have labrum tears. (laughs) They're like, I'm fine. I don't feel anything. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to push through it. So I kind of thought, well, maybe it's kind of the same thing. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to do nothing. Yeah. I just will wait till the next appointment. (laughs) And, um, of course, I get off the phone. I immediately look up all of this. I'm like, well, what is BRCA1? You know? Um, And then it's like... Oh, wow. Okay. I have a really high risk. Mm. And then what does,
1: I... Do you know offhand what the risk goes to?
2: Um, So it depends. Everyone's a little different. Okay. Um, So like if you have someone that's closer, like um, if sometimes it's Like if it's your mother versus... Yep, mother versus... Um, it also has a lot to do with age. Um, so okay. for instance, because it was my dad's mother and it was when she was so young, typically people don't um get it till their, i want to say late 40s 50s and maybe even 60s and you're talking cancer
1: not the gene mutation oh when yeah you, when the you mutation say get it, you the have mutation it the mutation just there mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah but um actually getting maybe specifically breast cancer till right. you know 50s 60s maybe even later uh so that's why they don't even start mammograms so testing for breast cancer specifically right. in women till they're in their probably 30 40s right and so um i'm 27 when all this happened i was 26 so they were like whoa you're way too young like why would you're freaking out for nothing you know i wasn't actually freaking out at the time (laughs) right but after i was like whoa okay what what are my next steps um after i had found out the information um but yeah for most people i would just say go to a doctor and you can find out kind of your estimated risk from them. Mine jumped up to 80%. Wow. Yeah. So they were like, you're going to get it within the next five to 10 years.
1: Oh shit.
2: So I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not getting chemo. (laughs) I also immediately called one of my really good friends that she had gotten a test when she was 25. And, um, I feel so lucky that she was in my life. Um, or is in my life. She, um, actually has a family history of it, and she was a client before, became a really good friend, and um, she actually found out she had stage three when she was 28. Oh, man. So, when I immediately called her and told her I had the genetic mutation, you know, we sat down, I think, a day or two later, and she looked me in the eye like immediately and said just you're gonna get uh, preventative surgery and i'm gonna be there every step of the way i'm gonna go to whatever appointments you need and i think a lot of people don't have that you know yeah so um i was like okay what what do i need to do and she's like i would never wish anyone in my life to go through what i went through because she's like if i you know I have stage three or I've had stage three, I'm fine now, but it's in my blood forever. Right. You know, and she's like, I I could get it again. And if I get it again I could die. hmm And she's mid thirties right now. You know, and she has two kids. So she's like, No, like I wish that I could have gotten a preventative surgery or right. surgery earlier on. Yeah. And she's a nurse.
1: Was this the first conversation you had about like, um, actually having the preventative surgery i'm sure the doctor said this is an option but. oh
2: yeah um i had an appointment after i had talked to her and she actually came to my first appointment and um which was um really nice for me because i i didn't feel like i was alone right um and i'm sure there are tons of women out there that they have that information and feel alone, mm-hmm. you know, and immediately you feel like no one else will understand. Yeah. Um, and you don't know what you can do. You know, it's not like you can just be like, oh, I need to go on a diet. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, right. I need to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just exercise. More. Yeah. It's not
1: just making a lifestyle change.
2: No. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of
1: being forced into one.
2: Oh yeah. You're definitely yeah. forced into one. Um, and, I just took the next steps. I was like, okay, what do I need to do? Um, And had appointment after appointment for months and months. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of support from a lot of friends. And honestly, I didn't know I or realize I had that big of a community. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it was really cool to see that. Um, But yeah, you just kind of then Mm -hmm. end up going through the steps of what you need to. Um, I have another climber friend. She has a BRCA too. Um, and she, I mean, her mom died from it and, you know, she's like, Josh, you're being so strong to go through with this. And because she dealt with it and it's so real and saw her mom go through this, she was like, I, you know, it's hard for her to go through this. Sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of other people are like that, you know, out there that they're like, I, I'm that's too scary. Like, especially if women want to have kids, right? You know, like they can't breastfeed. Yeah. Um, I'm also at high risk for ovarian. Hmm. Um, that one I don't, I'm trying to ignore a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: One thing at a time.
2: Uh, one thing at a time. That one's a little, I think, more intense. Um, I don't want to have to deal with it till I'm mid 30s. Yeah. Um, that's still not that far. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, and you said you said that early on when you were—I don't know if it was early on—but when you were thinking about the surgery,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you just mentioned that a lot of people just don't understand,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you said that you and your mom had to go back and forth about the surgery yeah, early because on. she wasn't.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, my mom. I mean, a lot of mom-daughter relationships. Sometimes yeah. they're super strong. Sometimes they're not. In this case, we're really close. Uh, my mom had me when she was super young. Yeah. And I've kind of always just been super close with her. You know, normal high school fights, but... <laughs> For um, sure. Always, I mean, I respect her opinion. And... um when I was, when I found out about this, she was the first person I called Right. and um, you know, I didn't think I would start bawling immediately, but I did, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, mom, I, ah, you know, and I have this mutation and I, I was like, I don't know what to do. And um, she's like, it's okay. You know, very comforting. And I don't think she really knew what it meant either. She just immediately went into mom mode Yeah. (laughs) and um, yeah, she was like, We'll just see what the next steps are. Don't worry about it. There's nothing you can do right now. I'm like, okay, yes, there's nothing I can do right now. Um, But as I went through the steps, I was like, okay, this needs to happen. Um, Because the way that I think is very logical. (laughs) So, And she was like, you know, then when I decided I wanted to go through with getting a preventative prophylactic mastectomy, She was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) You need to back up. Why are you getting a surgery? You don't have anything. And I was like, mom, I don't want to have anything, so I'm going to get this surgery. Yeah. You know, but of course it's scary to have your daughter go through a pretty major surgery. Totally, yeah. And she was like, no, 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 honey. And there (laughs) must be some level of
1: denial there of nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to be just fine.
2: Yeah, yeah. Of course, she wants to think that i want to think that but i'm like well i don't want to go through anything yeah so i'm gonna just
1: and you're a logical thinker
2: yeah exactly so i was like well no i'm gonna obviously get this done and um so yeah i mean she had a crazy story kind of happened before um and she actually had a her roommate at the time um try to commit suicide Mm -hmm. and um she was in her early 20s going through a lot. My mom didn't actually know her that well. Um, she took her in. And um, she actually was worried for her. There were a lot of, like, signs. But, you know, again, uh, she had called me to and was like, what should I do? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. mind your own business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not her mom. Leave yeah. her alone. And um, so she did. And the night before she was about to leave to fly out to... Colorado because she lived in California or lives in California um she hears ambulance and you know this girl is like shaking on the ground like almost eyes roll back and there's all these people hovering over her and saying ma'am ma'am are you okay and she tried yeah to take her own life and my mom, of course, probably didn't get any sleep <laughs> coming sure. before, and yeah. super stressed out about going to see her daughter go through this major surgery. And um, she's, and we had lots of disagreements about it, and I wouldn't say fought about it, but we definitely disagreed on me getting the surgery. And what's
1: well, something you kind of have to feel strongly about? Oh yeah, one yeah. way or the other.
2: Totally yeah. And There's she, no
1: man. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, and then she's like, uh, it was like a flip of a switch. She changed her mind and was like oh my gosh my daughter is trying to save her own life and here's this other young woman trying to take hers so right. she just totally changed her opinion yeah. and I think was mm-hmm. at ease when she came and visited me and was like very um, calm when she came so that was I, I sense that for sure I mean I was drugged up so I don't really know <laughs> <laughs> but i i definitely felt like she was totally calm when she came and visited right after the surgery so yeah um,
1: as a as a trainer as someone who's been through pt had injuries that part of it i'm sure you could file away and be logical about and just be like oh here's i need to do these things to get mm -hmm. back to climbing for sure but
2: Well, kind of. It was a. I actually that was probably one of the hardest things. Uh, Being a trainer, I always look at the steps. (laughs) Right. You know, and I. I researched so much stuff on women's prophylactic mastectomies, and there's really not that much out there. Um, really, I would say nothing. There's a lot of "Hey, gain rear range of motion back." Oh, great, you're good to go.
1: Right, right.
2: Um, I actually ended up looking a lot of uh, up on um, because I ended up choosing to get also reconstructive surgery, mm-hmm. and um, I looked up bodybuilders,
1: <laughs> sure, because yeah, they yeah.
2: will get breast reconstruction yep. um, being models and stuff, and yep. I was like, well, you know what? That's probably the closest thing I'm going to get to, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up whether women went under, what the procedures they went through. And um, that's kind of how I separated things, but there is nothing, there are no steps right after getting this done. Um, So that was probably the hardest. I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna be able, I don't really, I'm going to an unknown zone. Right. like I don't know, like I know how to deal with shoulder surgery. There are steps you go through, but, after you know getting a mastectomy, I've, I'm gonna be on my own. I'm gonna have to write my own, <laughs> you know, right. training style. Um,
1: is there much during the surgery? Is there much damage to the pectoral muscle?
2: Uh, yes, they okay. they cut your your pecs. <laughs> okay. Because um, well, so I guess if I didn't choose to get reconstructive surgery which honestly, I wasn't strong enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, no, I, I still want breasts. Like, I'm still a woman. I feel like I would then have another identity <laughs> shift.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I you was know? wondering about. Like, you're coming back into climbing be- after having lost your connection to this identity as a climber.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And also having to confront the idea of womanhood, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I, for I sure. think that, that makes it, N- far more than doubly difficult. It's yeah exponentially
2: yeah it's um, more. And I also didn't want to identify as a um, as a cancer patient because right. I was like, I don't have it. I'm not going to identify with it. Right. Um, so. I was like, I am getting this and that's going to be it. I'm going to be, I'm going to walk away from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, when they do the surgery, they remove all of your breast tichu- tissue, tissue, um, your mammary glands. So you, you cannot breastfeed if you decide to have children. Right, right. Um, and that's probably one of the other biggest things. They immediately start talking about children and what are you, what do you want? And I was like, I don't want to talk about that right now. Right. <laughs> so, um, I think that's a that's another thing. A lot of women are like, "Whoa, you already made this quick decision," um, but everyone's different in what they choose. Um, but yeah, I I was like preventative. <laughs> that's all I kept thinking of, and uh, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could also, you know, train through it after. Yeah, you know, it's like I. I know how to, I've gone through so much, so many other things. I can, I can do this. Um, it was nothing like I thought it would be.
1: Yeah. In what (laughs) way?
2: Um, I think like I obviously dove into a million forums and blogs and Mm -hmm. tried to research other people's processes and, uh, it's so different for everyone. That was the biggest thing that I had. And I was like, well, I'm going to come out of this learning and stronger and um, I actually knew because it was a genetic mutation that my sister might have it and um, I ended up calling her and asked her to get a test done and she was like why would I do that and I'm like I had to explain to her (laughs) what her risks were and um, she ended up following through getting a test and she's six years younger than me and she actually just got the surgery done. Oh, wow. So, part of me was like, I'm doing this for her, too. Yeah. You know, for for any other friend, any other family member, um, I want to be able to honestly show them the steps. And it was the cutest thing. I mean, I called her before surgery, and I was like, are you nervous? She's like, obviously, yes. Are you scared? Yes. Um, and overall, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? She goes, I know I'm going to be fine because you were strong. Yeah. You know, and and she's like, I'm going to be fine because you did it. And I was like, wow, she's so much more positive than I
1: was. (laughs) Well, she had you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um. to
2: have someone. But I also had a friend, you know, Mm -hmm. that had gone through it. But honestly, I asked so many questions of her, and she was like, I I don't really remember. You know, she was like, I I don't remember because she had so many – Um, bad things happen like she got infections which is also common she had i think she had like 14 surgeries Hmm. yeah so it was not uncommon to have things go wrong with getting this type of surgery Um, i think you know that was maybe 10 years ago for her so um the surgeries are getting so much better right you know and honestly when i had meeting after meeting or You know, when I met with the plastic surgeon even, he was like, you'll come out of this because it's preventative looking like you just got a boob job. (laughs) Right. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I never thought like, that's not me (laughs) like at all. I never thought that I would be getting something like that. And in a way, I had this fight with myself that I was like, "I am I being selfish? You know, getting this type of thing done. Mm Um should I just be strong and not get this done? Like I I don't like anything fake or, you know, um, and I ended up, you know, I...
1: Ultimately, how did you reconcile that?
2: Well, the biggest thing too, and I, I, it was a process even within the last few months, I was, you know, I definitely judged people if they got just like boob drops, you know? And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I judging people? And Mm -hmm. I had this talk with so many other women and I'm like everyone gets things done to make themselves feel good and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? And I was like, I I need to accept that I'm, I'm going to get the reconstruction to feel fine, to feel normal, to feel like myself. And if people get any type of reconstructive surgery, I'm like, that's okay. I need to not judge. Other people need to not judge people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of questions, of course, mainly from males. It was, "Are you going bigger? Are you, you know, doing <laughs> of this?" Course. It's like, "No, I'm an, I'm an athlete. I'm not doing this for any of that." But I found myself saying, "I am not doing this for right. the looks or anything." That's like, "Wow, that's super." Also, judgy. Yeah. <laughs> to say it in that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think we all have. So. We ha- we have to draw our own line of where
2: for sure, but
1: where we're comfortable and where we're not, and yeah. and everyone's line is going to be different, and yeah. we just have to remember that that's fine,
2: right? Yeah, you know, yeah, but in the end, yeah, I'm like, wow, I need. It was a good, um, humbling moment for myself because I was like, wow, I need to sit back and realize I was doing that too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, so. since. Since you've talked a lot about identity through mm-hmm. all of this, how's your identity changed?
2: Um, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely... Um, have switched a little bit into, okay, am I, I'm, I'm a provider. Like I'm a preventative. That's what a lot of- I've not of, heard that word before, yeah. but so I like it. Proviver, uh, I found it actually. And through doing um, all the kind of research, uh, a lot of younger women are calling them that's that because they mm-hmm. um, do the preventative surgery and they could have been gotten cancer. And so they're like, no, we are doing it, and we're providers, right. which is kind of cool. Um, and it then, I think, creates a little community for other women. Um, I actually had the PT, uh, the breast PTs, that helped me after surgery. They asked me to help other women because they're like, we have not had a trainer or strength coach go through this that knows what it feels like. Right. And I was like, wow, that's totally, I never found myself <laughs> being, you know, in this type of realm. And um, I'm still trying to decide if I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. But. Um,
1: what's the, what's the reluctance? Why do you think maybe you don't?
2: Um, honestly, because I'm like, man, will I always think of it? You know, like. Right do I want to think of it anymore? Yeah. Do I want to step away from it? And but it is still a part Or you could just go on
1: and feel, go back to normal, so exactly, to speak. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: So I, I think I'm probably still in a transition mm-hmm. state of figuring sure. out what I want to do. Um, but f- definitely, I've had a lot of women message me because of social media being so easy for yeah. you to interact <clears throat> with other people. And uh, a lot of women have been like, wow, thank you so much for showing me what you were able to do week after week and I'm like okay that feels really good too
1: yeah I mean <laughs> you're putting you're know. putting the story out there yeah and, and you're definitely putting up a strong um, I don't want to say facade because I don't think it's fake I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it's a facade but you're you're showing your strength in mm-hmm. your social media so whether you like it or not you're yeah. You're traveling down that path yeah, of helping other people. It's kind of happening, anyways. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I I think I'll definitely help out, but whether or not, I guess I turn it into my job,
1: your we'll identity. See. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So, we'll see what happens. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned before that you were making a documentary about it all.
2: Yes, we are. Um,
1: Is that something we can even talk a little about? Or? Oh,
2: for sure. I mean. Okay. It'll, it'll be a little bit. Sure. I definitely am sure. still, um, mm. oh, let's see, I don't even know what week I'm on. Uh,
1: but all that tells me healing. is that you're, you're totally willing to put the story out there. The story That's is true. going to inspire people. Yeah. So
2: I was trying to figure out what it was called, and uh, one of my friends is a cinematographer, and she's like, this is called a passion project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, because none of us are getting paid to do it. Right. We just kind of... Uh, right now, I guess what I mainly want to do is inform other women. Yeah. I want other people to reach out and ask questions. I want other people to know there are <laughs> people like them. Um, if you know, if I could find more about it, more people around my age group, that would have been amazing. Um, there are some there are a lot of groups out there, um, and there's a lot of stuff out on social media, but not as active. Like people aren't as active like they.
1: And probably tough to find if you're not already involved. I mean, I find that with a lot of communities, there might be this great thriving community, but if you don't have the in, if you don't know Mm -hmm. someone already. Totally. It's tough to find.
2: Yeah. And I think they're, uh, they call themselves breasties too. Mm. And if they, I just haven't found as many women that are, you know, whether they're climbers or runners or just as active. You know, the things that I've read, whether it's been a blog or people opening up, they're like, I ran a 5K. And then right. they're like psyched about that, not to like put anyone down, but I'm like, wait, wait, wait I wanna, I would, all I wanna do is train super hard.
1: <laughs> right. You're looking for more serious yeah, athletes more, who've gone and, through it. And-
2: yeah. And I, I even messaged some random lady and um, she looked like she was, kind of a trainer she was older um probably in her mid-40s and I was like hey like what is it going to be like after what are the steps you know that I'm going to take just kind of give me and this was before surgery maybe even a week before I was like what can I expect and she was like just you know I sent her this long email and her I mean I'm happy she responded but her response was short and to have patience. Right. I was like, "What? No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I not don't what need I patience. Get. I need steps." Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of been uh, I've been that person for my sister. She's kind of been like, you know, calling me. I think I've talked to her almost every day. And she's like, "Is this normal when you had the drains?" So you get drains in. Yeah. Um did it feel like it was stinging and I'm like, does it feel like serrated knives are cutting into your side? And she's like, uh, yeah. I'm like, yep, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and she's like, there's so much pressure in my chest right now. Is that normal? You know? Yes, that, that is. Um, mm-hmm. and she'll just ha- have all of these, you know, things that she's been asking. And I'm like, yeah, the, all of these things are very normal. Um, I think the biggest thing was um I when I look stuff up I I just wanted to read steps I actually and I, I don't want this to sound bad I didn't want the emotional stuff right. a lot of women sure. they'll write these things and they're like I felt this and I felt sad about this and I was like you know I just like skim through it and I just wanted to know where is the exercise part yeah <laughs> and um they wouldn't really talk about that. It was more all of the emotions they were going through. And I honestly, I didn't care about that as much. I was like, I just want to see what I need. But that's, every person's different.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, is this going to be something that you're working through and then putting out there? Like through the documentary, these are the steps that I took. This is why I took Mm -hmm. them. Here's how I reacted to it. Yeah, I think
2: we've kind of talked about we've had some meetings about it. And I think we'll mainly talk about um, how you can still be who you want to be and strong and um, still function in the exact same way that you were functioning before, even going through something like what I did, and they may even make it a series with other women that have gone through other crazy, not-as-common things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think having answers to those questions, Mm -hmm. even if most of the world operates on this emotional level that they want all those things, Mm -hmm. having the answers to the questions is going to become increasingly more important because there are more and more young women, athletes
2: yeah, who, and I think,
1: who are looking into this. And yeah. I mean, I think those resources are important and needed. Yeah,
2: I've had a lot of climbers actually be like, well, wait, I have a history of it. I'm like, get tested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that anyone who I've kind of touched or reached out to um, or has even just seen stuff, like I hope that they do go through with it. Because I don't know, you know, there's so much um, awareness out there. I put that in quotes yeah. because, you know, I would say even like, yeah, there, I've, you see the pink ribbon, you see all of that stuff, but do people actually even know what this is? You know, right. I don't even mm-hmm. know within the next five, 10 years if breast cancer or, you know, a lot of other cancers will even be um, cured I think sure. that We can't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that what will happen is you can inform as many people as possible and they can be preventative about it. And I think that you can, like a lot of other diseases, you will prevent it with doing something about, about it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, and then kind of nipping it before you even happen.
1: Yeah, you know? well, I think, like it or not, you're your trepidation with the idea of mm-hmm. i don't know if i want that to be my identity right. is just is helping other women get through this it's what you're doing whether you want to yeah
2: that's true say <laughs> it out loud
1: or not so yeah i mean i think that's really admirable and i'm gonna bother you for some resources just to
2: yeah put definitely. in the
1: show notes of this if people are looking and certainly whenever the documentary is done, I'd love to share it out yeah. there as much as I can.
2: So. Yeah. I think my biggest thing right now is, um, informing other people, mm-hmm. whether, you know, men listening, talk to their, yeah, absolutely. Wives, have sisters. these
1: conversations, yeah. you know, I've been, I've been going through this series of tough conversations on the podcast lately. Yeah. Um, and sort of purposely putting myself in these nervous positions where having these tough conversations is a little scary to me. Um, and things I don't know anything about, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to do that. And this is one of those areas where men could certainly be, and most of my listeners are, are men. So that's
2: the thing. I mean, I think, um, I mean, Right? Like I got it from my dad. <laughs> right. You know, it, it he carried the genetic mutation and he gave it to his two daughters. Right. So I don't think that only women should know about this. I Can think, men be
1: tested for oh, the yeah, for mutation? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. Like I think if anyone has a family history of cancer, yeah. they should be tested because if they have daughters, yep. you know, or their sons could... Carry the mutation on, right? And that is how I think people can prevent it by even just getting the test done, Mm. Um, because it still puts them at a higher risk. So
1: you just totally shifted my entire thinking (laughs) about this this conversation.
2: Yeah, I I mean that's kind of I want to inform people, not just women, just everyone. You know, yeah. Um, I mean. My sister she's she's gay and she and her girlfriend is the one who's taking care of her and right you know a lot of people would be like well it, you know maybe she's not gonna have kids or whatever it doesn't matter you know like mm-hmm. she's gonna get it done and now she's free you know
1: yeah yeah
2: so it doesn't matter who you are just anyone should I think get tested so yeah
1: as scary as it might be I think it's I think it's an important thing information is power yeah
2: so yeah I think uh that's probably my biggest thing right now is just let people know
1: yeah so well I appreciate you letting me know yeah I I appreciate you sitting down and talking and taking time out of the craziness here that you're about to walk back into (laughs) um but yeah you that last three minutes just totally shifted the way i'm thinking so i appreciate that more than anything because what this all comes down to is this podcast is selfish for me because i want to learn things you want to learn
2: things well by you learning you're informing other people so yeah
1: Yeah. okay well thanks joss i appreciate it thank you so i'm not a superstitious person um I like to think I'm fairly logical and this episode should have been out two or three days ago part of the reason it wasn't is because I was getting really really frustrated by this strange audio interference uh, that I couldn't get rid of nothing I tried I I couldn't isolate the frequency I just couldn't get it out of there Um, that that interference starts at the exact moment that Joss is telling us what the doctor told her the diagnosis you have BRCA1 you can hear it a little bit if you listen to the intro again uh, the quote from Joss and and I left it in entirely in the in the main conversation Um, I just couldn't get it out of there without getting rid of Joss's voice and Like I said, not a superstitious person, but take that for what you will. Um, I left you in the intro with the word courage. And then I purposely left in all of the talking about Joss's athletic and training history because I really wanted you to understand where her identity was formed and how jarring it must be to face having your identity on multiple levels stripped away but in the face of that Joss's demeanor is one of steady courage and in her emails the signature includes a quote from Tanzanian marathoner Juma Ikonga that reads the will to win means nothing if you haven't the will to prepare and i think Joss's athletic career the injuries the setbacks the rebounds obviously prepared her well for this ordeal and Despite her reticence to let this be a part of her new identity, which is pretty much why I left it in the audio, um, the, that interference, I left it there in the, the diagnosis because I think it is part of her identity at this point. And despite her reticence to let it be a part, she's told me that she's working on strength programming for women who are going through the same thing and she's going to keep adding to her blog to inform everyone about BRCA1 uh, and BRCA in general um, if you want to check that out it's bodyenroute.com bodyenrout dot I've also posted links to the resources that Josh suggests uh, right there in the show notes on your pocket supercomputer you can also find the, find those on our website uh, you can google Jocelyn Corridor and Power Company Climbing and you'll find it there um, Joss thank you um, I just put it out into the world so now you have to get this strength programming together holding you accountable even though I know I don't need to and you're going to do it anyway Uh, Thank you a ton for sitting down with me and having this conversation with me. Um, Your courage is inspiring, to say the least, Uh, to me and I think to a lot of our listeners. So thank you. Uh, You guys know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Facebook. You can find us on the Instagrams. You can search for us on the Twitters, but you will not find us there because... We don't tweet, we scream like eagles.
0: This <laughs> time, It's time for Bill, it's time, time for it's time for Bill, it's time for Bill, it's time for Bill,